0: Section 73 of Italy, France, Spain, and Portugal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. The World's Story, Volume 5 Italy, France, Spain, and Portugal. Edited by Eva March Tappan section 73 in the revolt of the vendee 1793 by victor hugo the peasants of the vendee a department of western france were devoted to the local nobles and had no sympathy with the french revolution they rose against the republican government in 1789 and in 1793 indignant at the conscription laws and hoping for the aid of england they made angry resistance this lasted for three years before they were subdued the editor as we have just seen the peasants on arriving at dole dispersed themselves through the town each man following his own fancy as happens when troops obey from friendship a favorite expression with the Bondians, a species of obedience which makes heroes but not troopers they thrust the artillery out of the way along with the baggage under the arches of the old market hall They were weary. They ate, drank, counted their rosaries, and lay down pell mell across the principal street, which was encumbered rather than guarded. As night came on, the greater portion fell asleep, with their heads on their knapsacks, some having their wives beside them, for the peasant women often followed their husbands, and the robust ones acted as spies. It was a mid July evening. The constellation glittered in the deep purple of the sky the entire bivouac which resembled rather the halt of a caravan than an army encamped gave itself up to repose suddenly amid the dull gleams of twilight such as had not yet closed their eyes saw three pieces of ordnance pointed at the entrance of the street it was Gavian's artillery he had surprised the main guard he was in the town and his column held the top of the street a peasant started up crying who goes there and fired his musket a cannon-shot replied then a furious discharge of musketry burst forth the whole drowsy crowd sprang up with a start a rude shock to fall asleep under the stars and wake under a volley of grape-shot the first moments were terrific There is nothing so tragic as the aimless swarming of a thunder-stricken crowd they flung themselves on their arms they yelled they ran many fell the assaulted peasants no longer knew what they were about and blindly shot one another the townspeople stunned with fright rushed in and out of their houses and wandered frantically amid the hubbub families shrieked to one another a dismal combat ensued in which women and children were mingled the balls as they whistled overhead streaked the darkness with rays of light a fusillade poured from every dark corner. There was nothing but smoke and tumult. The entanglement of the baggage wagons and the cannon carriages was added to the confusion. The horses became unmanageable, the wounded were trampled underfoot. The groans of the poor wretches, helpless on the ground, filled the air. Horror here, stupefaction there. Soldiers and officers sought for one another. In the midst of all this could be seen creatures, made indifferent to the awful scene, By personal preoccupations, a woman sat nursing her newborn babe, seated on a bit of wall, against which her husband leaned with his leg broken. And he, while his blood was flowing, tranquilly loaded his rifle and fired at random, straight before him, into the darkness. Men lying flat on the ground fired across the spokes of the wagon wheels. At moments there rose a hideous din of clamors, then the great voices of the cannon drowned all it was awful it was like a felling of trees they dropped one upon another godvain poured out a deadly fire from his ambush and suffered a little loss still the peasants courageous amid their disorder ended by putting themselves on the defensive they retreated into the market a vast obscure redoubt a forest of stone pillars there they again made a stand Anything which resembled a wood gave them confidence. Imanis supplied the absence of Lantinic as best he could. They had cannon, but to the great astonishment of Gauvain, they did not make use of it. That was owing to the fact that the artillery officers had gone with the Marquis to reconnoiter Mount Dole, and the peasants did not know how to manage the Culverins and Demi-Culverins, but they riddled with balls the Blues who canaded them they replied to the grape-shot by volleys of musketry it was now they who were sheltered they had heaped together the drays the tumbrils the casks all the litter of the old market and improvised a lofty barricade with openings through which they could pass their carbines from these holes their fusillade was murderous the hole was quickly arranged in a quarter of an hour the market presented an impregnable front this became a serious matter for gauvin this market suddenly transformed into a citadel it was unexpected the peasants were inside it massed and solid Gavain's surprise had succeeded but he ran the risk of defeat he got down from his saddle he stood attentively studying the darkness his arms folded clutching his sword in one hand erect in the glare of a torch which lighted his battery the gleam falling on his tall figure made him visible to the men behind the barricade he became an aim for them but he did not notice it the shower of balls sent out from the barricade fell about him as he stood there lost in thought but he could oppose cannon to all these carbines and cannon always ends by getting the advantage victory rests with him who has the artillery his battery well manned insured him the superiority. Suddenly, a lightning flash burst from the shadowy market. There was a sound like a peal of thunder, and a ball broke through a house above Gauvain's head. The barricade was replying to the cannon with its own voice. What had happened? Something new had occurred. The artillery was no longer confined to one side. A second ball followed the first and buried itself in the wall close to Gavain. A third knocked his hat off on the ground. These balls were of heavy calibre. It was a sixteen pounder that fired. They're aiming at you, commandant, cried the artillerymen. They extinguished the torch. Gavain, as if in a reverie, picked up his hat. Someone had in fact aimed at Gavain. It was Lantenac. The Marquis had just arrived within the barricade from the opposite side. Imanis had hurried to meet him. Monseigneur, we are surprised. By whom? I do not know is the route to denin free i think so we must begin a retreat it has commenced a good many have run away we must not run we must fall back why are you not making use of this artillery the men lost their heads besides the officers were not here i am come monseigneur i have sent toward Forgeres all i could of the baggage the women everything useless what is to be done with the three little prisoners ah those children yes they are hostages have them taken to la tourgue this said the marquis rushed to the barricade with the arrival of the chief the whole face of affairs changed the barricade was ill-constructed for artillery there was only room for two cannon the marquis put in position a couple of sixteen pounders for which loopholes were made as he leaned over one of the guns watching the enemy's battery through the opening he perceived Gauvain it is he cried the marquis then he took the swab and rammer himself loaded the piece sighted it and fired thrice he aimed at Guavaine, and missed the third time he only succeeded in knocking his hat off numskull muttered Lantanac. a little lower and i should have taken his head suddenly the torch went out and he had only darkness before him so be it said he then turning toward the peasant gunners he cried now let them have it gavane on his side was not less in earnest the seriousness of the situation increased a new phase of the combat developed itself the barricade had begun to use cannon who could tell if it were not about to pass from the defensive to the offensive he had before him after deducting the killed and fugitives at least five thousand combatants and he had left only twelve hundred serviceable men what would happen to the republicans if the enemy perceived their paucity of numbers the roles were reversed he had been the assailant he would become the assailed if the barricade were to make a sortie everything might be lost what was to be done he could no longer think of attacking the barricade in front an attempt at main force would be foolhardy twelve hundred men cannot dislodge five thousand to rush upon them was impossible to wait would be fatal he must make an end but how gauvain belonged to the neighborhood he was acquainted with the town he knew that the old market house where the vendians were entrenched was backed by a labyrinth of narrow and crooked streets he turned toward his lieutenant who was that valiant captain gauchamp afterward famous for clearing out the forest of concise where jean jean was born and for preventing the capture of borgneuf by holding the dyke of la Chaîne against the rebels gauchamp said he i leave you in command fire as fast as you can riddle the barricade with cannon balls keep all those fellows over yonder busy i understand said gauchamp "Mass the whole column with their guns loaded and hold them ready to make an onslaught he added a few words in gauchamp's ear i hear said gauchamp gauvain resumed are all our drummers on foot? Yes, we have nine. Keep two and give me seven. The seven drummers ranged themselves in silence in front of Gavon. Then he said, "Battalion of the Bonnet Rouge." Twelve men, of whom one was a sergeant, stepped out from the main body of the troop. "I demand the whole battalion," said Gavon. "Here it is," replied the sergeant. "You are twelve. There are twelve of us left." "It is well," said Gavon there was a forage wagon standing near gavonne pointed toward it with his finger sergeant order your men to make some straw ropes and twist them about their guns so that there will be no noise if they knock together a minute passed the order was silently executed in the darkness it is done said the sergeant soldiers take off your shoes commanded gavonne we have none returned the sergeant they numbered counting the drummers nineteen men made the twentieth he cried follow me single file the drummers next to me the battalion behind them sergeant you will command the battalion he put himself at the head of the column and while the firing on both sides continued these twenty men gliding along like shadows plunged into the deserted lanes the line marched thus for some time twisting along the fronts of the houses the whole town seemed dead the citizens were hidden in their cellars. Every door was barred, every shutter closed. No light to be seen anywhere. Amid the silence, this principal street kept up its din. The cannonading continued. The Republican battery and the Royalist barricade spit forth their volleys with undiminished fury. After 20 minutes of this torturous march, Gavain, who kept his way unerringly through the darkness, reached the end of a lane, which led into the broad street but on the other side of the market-house the position was turned in this direction there was no entrenchment according to the eternal imprudence of barricade builders the market was open and the entrance free among the pillars where some baggage wagons stood ready to depart gavain and his nineteen men had the five thousand Vendians before them but their backs instead of their faces gavain spoke in a low voice to the sergeant the soldiers untwisted the straw from their guns the twelve grenadiers posted themselves in line behind the angle of the lane and the seven drummers waited with their drumsticks lifted the artillery firing was intermittent suddenly in a pause between the discharges Gavain waved his sword and cried in a voice which rang like a trumpet through the silence two hundred men to the right two hundred men to the left all the rest in the center the twelve muskets fired and the seven drums beat Gavain uttered the formidable battle cry of the blues to your bayonets down upon them the effect was prodigious this whole peasant mass felt itself surprised in the rear and believed that it had a fresh army at its back at the same instant on hearing the drums the column to gauchamp commanded at the head of the street began to move Sounding the charge in its turn, and flung itself at a run on the barricade. The peasants found themselves between two fires. Panic magnifies. A pistol shot sounds like the report of a cannon. In moments of terror, the imagination heightens every noise. The barking of a dog sounds like the roar of a lion. Add to this the fact that the peasant catches fright as easily as thatch catches fire, and as quickly as a blazing thatch becomes a conflagration a panic among peasants becomes a rue an indescribably confused flight ensued in a few instants the market-hall was empty the terrified rustics broke away in all directions the officers were powerless imanus uselessly killed two or three fugitives nothing was to be heard but the cry save yourselves the army poured through the streets of the town like water through the holes of a sieve and dispersed into the open country with the rapidity of a cloud carried along by a whirlwind some fled toward chateauneuf some toward plierger others toward en the marquis de lannintac watched this stampede he spiked the guns with his own hands and then retreated the last of all slowly composedly saying to himself decidedly the peasants will not stand we must have the english End of section 73. This recording is in the public domain.